Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. We promise a fast start, unlike what the team has shown these past three games. And yet, even with all the offensive struggles, they did have a chance, several chances to win the game on Sunday. Instead, it's yet another loss to the Rams. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 595, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Let's begin with a quote, Paul. Really? Okay, we're going to get philosophical here off the top. I mean, uh, this feels like my uh, English days back at Berkeley. Let's go. Not philosophical, just straightforward. At the end of the day, you got to find a way to put the ball in the end zone. It's not complicated. Those are the words of starting right tackle Kelvin Beecham postgame after the Cardinals lost to the Rams by the score of 20-12. to He's actually right. I mean, he's absolutely correct. It's not complicated. Yet, the Cardinals here for the first three games have made it complicated. Time in and time again. I'm sorry. I love Matt Prater. I don't want to see him four times in one single game, and that is all the points that you score on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you don't want to see the trainers. Um, you know, you don't want to see the referee getting too much camera time. You don't want to see the kicker a whole bunch unless it's after a touchdown, PATs. I'll see your quote, and I'll match you a quote. I'll Actually, I'll raise you this one from J.J. Watt, and I quote, Uh, We're a resilient group, but we don't need to put ourselves in situations where we have to show resiliency all the time, end quote. In other words, it's okay to dominate from the start. It's okay to play from the lead. It's okay to come out and actually have a first quarter where you score a point in the 2022 season. It's okay to do more than just 13 points in the first half combined of three games. So, yeah, there's plenty to address. I think the key question is, are these going to be season-long trends or are they truly correctable that you can start with this Carolina game? Because there's still 14 games to go, and you're still right in the thick of things. Now, if you're the Raiders and you're 0-3, okay. That's, you know, and the the history of the game in this league says uh, the odds are not good. The odds are not with you. But at 1-2, it's still very doable, still very feasible and plausible, but it's up to you at this point. And I think that's what J.J. Watt is saying. Well, the bright side in all of this – you're tied for second place in the NFC West. So to your point, when you say 14 games remain, yes, there is still a long way to go. But what you look at through these first three games and the issue of slow starts, we talked about it last week. We're talking about it again. Now the Cardinals have the distinction of being the only team in the National Football League not to score a single point in the first quarter. They have been outscored 31 to nothing in the first 15 minutes of play, and that to me is just inexcusable. You hear about, you script the first 10 to 15 plays. I went back, Paul, the first three opening drives of 2022, three and out, six plays, meaning you got one first down, and then a three and out. Wow. 
Well, the first four drives in this game against the Rams netted, what, 22 yards, if I saw that correctly. And then finally the offense got it in gear. And you know what? As long as you started this little reindeer game of quotes, uh, how about Kyler saying, I tell guys all the time, you got to be awake when you play with me, no matter what the play is, because I have free reign to do whatever and get into whatever. So when you sleep and you don't think you're getting the ball, you can't play like that. Everyone's got to be lit up and locked in. So to your point about these slow starts, when the Arizona Cardinals had five drops in the first half, and the analytics, the I think it was next-gen stats, said no team has had as many as five drops in an entire game this year. Wow. And the Cardinals had five drops in the first half. When you're not expecting the ball and it hits you in the shoulder pad or maybe you're turning around late because you think you know, you're know you not a primary option on the play, that's what Kyler is talking about. And that's what plagued the Cardinals at times against the Rams. And that's what we mean when we say it's imminently correctable. It's on you. You know, it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose when you don't play well, or at least you don't play up to your capability. You know, if you go out against a defending Super Bowl champion and you get dominated and and it's brutally obvious you don't belong on the same field with that team, that's one thing. But that wasn't the case. That certainly wasn't the case. When Cooper Cup is taking a jet sweep, and he, from the 20-yard line, and he's at the five, and still half the Cardinals defenders still don't know where the ball is, it's that sort of recognition or failure to recognize exactly what's going on. This shouldn't be a mystery. It shouldn't be a surprise. You play the Rams twice a year. You played them three times last year. Sean McVay's now won 11 out of 12 against the Arizona Cardinals. If there's one thing you should know, it's Sean McVay's offense, right? When Cooper Cup's getting a jet sweep, that should not be a shocker. It should not have half the defenders confused and going the wrong way. What we still don't know is this Cardinals offense. And when you talk about the drops, it's a James Conner. It's a Zach Ertz. Two of your main free agent acquisitions. Yes, they were re-signings, but those were the two players the Cardinals made a conscious effort to bring back. That that was where the big money was spent in the offseason, retaining your starting running back and your starting tight end. All right, so great. Um, you know, I, I, I thoroughly respect the depth of your sports knowledge and, and your various sports that you have covered in depth, okay, whether it's the football, basketball, hockey in this town, ASU, everything. So you tell me if this is an accurate statement or not, and I know you will. The hallmark of any good winning team is when there's different heroes at different times. The hallmark of a losing team is when different guys are making mistakes at different times. They take turns making their one mistake of the game, but it's widespread enough, it's chronic enough that, you know what, it just makes for a consistent onslaught of mistakes. And to me, that's what happened against the Rams. Connor did it once. Ertz did it once. You know, rookies did it once. Everybody took their turn, and pretty much that's enough to get you beat. There was a lot of talk on Cardinal Talk, and I totally get the fan frustration, and it's very easy to point to the head coach, very easy to point to the play calling. We've done this long enough, however, Paul, to know that the perfect play call could be poorly executed. So to me, more has to be put on the players on the field because if you're telling me that it's poor play calling, that means the coaches aren't doing their job from Monday to Saturday. That's just not correct. Players have to execute 
Going back to your point, a mistake here, a mistake there. Yeah, you could say I played 60 snaps and it was I was just off on that one snap. Well, you know what? That one snap meant not a first down, not a touchdown. So these players, they need to be more accountable to themselves and to the that entire locker room because this is, to me, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, this is not a coaching issue. This is a player execution, lack of execution issue. Well, and, and it's hard to really decipher. For example, on the deep shot to Hollywood Brown that Kyler Murray failed to connect with Marquise on, uh, Hollywood told us after the game, you heard the interview, that was a check. That was Kyler Murray having the wherewithal to recognize that, you know what, we got a deep shot right down the middle. Here we go with the post. He checked into it, and then to Kyler's account, he just threw it a little bit too early because it was there for six, and that's exactly what this Cardinals offense was missing against the Rams, who were all too willing to let the Cardinals mount, you know, amass 19 pl- drive plays and, and you know 16 and 17 drive plays. It was, I think Sean McVay after the game said something along the lines of, yeah, let him snap it one more time. That was his philosophy. Let him snap it one more time without ever reaching the end zone is what went unsaid. So to your point, okay, now, do we really know what's coaching and what isn't? And, and we can point to the slow starts and the only team in the NFL without a point in the first quarter. Is that coaching? Now, maybe in the college game or high school, I'd say so. But you know what? This is a business. It's your job to be ready to go from the get-go if you're a player. So easing into the game – Easing into a season, if that's what this is all about. How many guys are waiting for the reinforcements to come? And DeAndre Hopkins and company, how many guys are telling themselves, you know what, we've come out like a house of fire the last couple of years and then faded in November, December, and January. Well, maybe they're just biding their time and making sure they're healthy until they get to the stretch run and then flipping the switch. Is that what's going on? I'd say so, but we saw too much of this the latter half of last year. The last home win was against Houston. And what happened in that game? They got down 5 nothing and then scored 31 unanswered. <laughs> they had a slow start in that game. But then they put their foot down and put it on the throat of the Texans and said, you know what, we're better than you, and now we're going to show it. But once again, to J.J. Watt's point, um, you keep putting yourself in a position where you have to show this resiliency, well, against the defending Super Bowl champion who has your number. That's just not realistic that you're going to execute that sort of comeback for a second straight week. Cardinals have yet to held a lead in regulation. Wow. In this 2022 regular season. Now, again, you look at the opponents, Kansas City, the Raiders, the Rams, all quality opponents, but... I'm I'm tired of people bringing up, well, you know, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins. There is no Rondell Moore. I'm sorry. That, to me, is an excuse that does not fly anymore. You've known since April. I've brought this up previously on past episodes here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Publicly, the Cardinals have known about D-Hop since April. Privately, probably more earlier than that. You've had Hollywood Brown within the building since April. This offense needs to be scoring points. The defense, which we can get into, just needs to be okay. And I think they've done better than okay through three games. The offense, I'm sorry, 12 points, not good enough. And I think there's plenty of blame to go around, plenty on everyone's shoulders. But to hear Kyler Murray post game, realize that, yeah, all eyes on me. I got that big contract, and I'm going to take a lot of the heat, and deservedly so, on some of his decisions. Yet at the same time, 
it's his job to raise everyone else to his level. What was the play differential? It was 81 to 45? 46. 46, 81 to 46. Think about that. And that was one of the questions I asked in the postgame. Okay, if I told you before the game you are going to run 81 plays and not end up in the end zone once, it's remarkable. So I, I think it shows you what, what teams are doing defensively. They're going two high safeties. They're going soft zones. And they're just letting their, their front four or five eat. And they're going after Kyler Murray. Now, what was intriguing is when Kyler Murray said, the Rams rush me differently than other teams. And if you listen to Aaron Donald over the last uh, three or four meetings, what does he consistently say? Either Kyler Murray has been comfortable and we lost, like in week four of 2021, or we made Kyler uncomfortable, which is what he told Laura Oakman after the game on the field in the Fox interview, that, yeah, we did a good job keeping him in the pocket, making him uncomfortable. That is priority number one for Raheem Morris and the Rams every time they play the Cardinals. And how many times did Kyler escape the pocket? You know the one I can really and only remember truly? was the 30-yard connection to Greg Dortch, where he escaped the pocket to his right, and it was an unbelievable throw. It was right in front of me. I was right there. Dorch made the catch, got lit up, got, got just submarined, and I, I, I'm almost shocked he played the rest of the game. He got hit so hard at such a weird angle. But, Kyler, that throw on the run, how precise it was between layers of coverage downfield, that went for 30 yards. But that's the Cardinals' biggest chunk throw yes. all year long. Obviously, the Andy Isabella it was a miscommunication, misconnection. He, he got yelled at by Kyler coming off the field. He then later, once the cameras were gone, the see they have the hard knocks NFL films cameras. So now guys are picking their spots. <laughs> are they understanding where the? They know. Okay. They know. Like there was a time where Kyler was talking to Beach. Okay. And there was the big fishpole boom <laughs> mic that was looming over them, literally like Big Brother, right over their shoulder pads. And Beach looks up. He goes, okay, kind of rolls the eyes, grabs Kyler, and they go more towards the white stripe of the sideline away from the prying ears of the boom mic. So those were some of the conversations that were being had. But Sean Jefferson lit into Andy Isabella. You stop your route on that for whatever reason. Who knows what's going on on that front? Um, and then the Hollywood Brown, which was just, you know, they, they ran it, they recognized it, they had it, they just didn't execute it. Um, but there's no doubt this offense is missing the explosives. It's missing the chunk throws, just chunk plays in general. That's how you lose to a Rams team. 81 plays to 46 because your plays didn't cover much ground at all while the Rams were getting big chunk plays via the run game and the passing game and then some of the creativity game when you see the jet sweep to Cooper Cup, for example. Four scoring drives all resulting in field goals. Here's the number of plays. 19, 8, 16, and 17. I had Mike Helm, we refer to him as StatWiz in the media relations department, look up the number of 16-play drives that the Arizona Cardinals have had. And this went back to 2001. He was able to look at research. Cardinals have never had more than one 16-play scoring drive in a single game. Come on, really? They had three on Sunday. Wow. Three. And this goes back to your head coach being the offensive guru, Kyler Murray, the all-everything quarterback, being able to throw and run with his legs, yet we haven't seen it. Small sample size, perhaps, but I do think it is concerning because, yeah, you do have 14 games left, 
But all these games matter in a tough division and a wide-open NFC. And what we've seen, especially on Sunday, is now all of a sudden, all right, maybe the Bills aren't nearly as good, the Chiefs aren't nearly as good. What's going on with Tampa Bay, Green Bay with a big win? You can't afford to get too far behind and or think, well, that team lost. We're okay right now. Let's look ahead to next week. That, 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 yeah. that defeats – already going in the, the mindset is already defeated going into the next week's game and to your point about that the ability to uh, amass a long scoring drive or just a long drive period you know it was the inability though to really exploit some of the matchups the Cardinals had when you go against a depleted secondary by the Rams and they're missing three of their top corners and, and you're not able to at least get a touchdown pass against that secondary, you know, that's disappointing. And, and I think Cliff Kingsbury referred to it after the game when he said, yeah, there were a lot of aspects of our game plan we just couldn't get to because we got behind in the game. And I think that's what he's referring to is, you know what, we're going to target every corner, not named Jalen Ramsey. But when you come out and it just sort of set a bad tone, you come out on your first drive and you're looking at third down and one, I believe, right? First third and two. Third and two. And you got trips to the left, and you got a single receiver to the right who's A.J. Green, and he's covered by Jalen Ramsey. And that's the receiver you're target, and Jalen Ramsey makes the pass breakup. And I saw a number of people on the sideline sort of drop and shake their heads, and everybody's thinking the same thing. Why there? Why A.J. Green, who unfortunately has had a case of the yips we've seen at times trying to catch the ball the last couple of weeks combined with Jalen Ramsey you know what I'm targeting one of these two or three unknown fill-in backup yet to be tested corners out in that field and so it's it's things like that that are at this yes correctable but at the same time confounding well we also heard I believe it was Cliff Kingsbury I can't remember if it was with you or with the rest of the media downstairs at State Farm Stadium Marquise Brown Hollywood Brown 17 targets and the reason we finally are seeing that connects between quarterback and wide receiver but the reason why 17 is because they exploited all right where is Jalen Ramsey okay he's left Hollywood's on the right we're going right meaning there was a conscious effort to throw to Hollywood Brown whenever number five was not in the area or in coverage. Hmm. And Marquise Fall finds himself with 14 catches for 140 yards, but again, 140 receiving yards, but no touchdown. Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, and then Greg Dortch was the other one who obviously had, had, had a heck of a game. But beyond that, now that you've – you're uncertain about the status of an A.J. Green. Okay, what does this mean exactly for an offense that's heavy on tight end but hasn't been able to exploit the tight end in the passing game to the degree they want? Obviously, Zach Ertz had a chance at a touchdown grab, and they just couldn't connect. He just seemed to step half slow throughout the entire game um, for whatever reason that was, and he admitted after the game it wasn't one of his, his better affairs. So, okay. But, yeah, you know, and, and then there's the run game, the inability to take it right to the Rams because the one time you have beaten them, you ran it 40 times for 216 yards, and that just wasn't the case. But you played from ahead in much of that win week four at the L.A. Rams. So as soon as you get down, whether it's against the Raiders or in this game against the Rams, it, it's so hard to, to mount that sort of run game, especially against an Aaron Donald, who who is a problem. Even with Will Hernandez, he's obviously – a problem 
And, uh, you know, and they move them all over. They move them up and down that line, and you have to account for them. And, and I'll be honest, I watch a Kyler Murray, and I think that he's got half an eye in 99 the entire game. And as soon as 99 gets past the line of scrimmage, Kyler, his eyes come off the receivers downfield. He's just in escape mode and self-preservation mode. You know, Aaron Donald, we all know, is the dude. Even when he came over, there was one play in the sideline. And he came over, and there was just a mass of people, and they come over, and it's like they shoved a run play out of bounds. And, like, somebody kind of stopped him, you know, because his momentum, they just sort of stopped him. And he just smacked their hands down. Like, he's just he's just nasty. He's just – he's got the, the, the demeanor he plays in it. You know, I, I think as soon as he gets into the backfield, uh, Kyler is intent on, on making sure he's not the latest victim of 99. Donald, six tackles, two tackles for loss, the sack, which was the 100th of his career, and a quarterback hit as well. So, yeah, anytime 99 is around, number one for the Cardinals seems to get a little jitterish. And the Cardinals offense, again, big question marks, and it was something that you discussed post game with Hollywood Brown going back to inability to get the ball into the end zone. Here's Paul with Hollywood Brown. Let's talk about the game first, the big picture. If I told you before the game you ran 81 plays as an offense and had four field goals, what would your reaction be? Uh, man, I think we run that many plays, we got to put, we got to score touchdowns. I mean, the field goals help put us in position, but as offense, when we get down there, we want to we want to put put it in the end zone. Anything change once you got near the red zone? Things bogged down. What uh, what was the challenge? Uh, just lack of execution. Uh, we got down there with ease, and then once we got down there, we kind of like stalled out. And you can't do that in this league. I mean, the great great offenses they're gonna put it in the end zone. That's what we're striving to do. Two words we heard all week: fast start. But you guys are still searching for that fast start, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, it's a week by week process. I mean, nobody. We wanted it to happen overnight, but nobody said it will. So as an offense, we just got to keep working. We know Sean McVay always comes out with something new, right, and innovative. Uh, in terms of what they brought on defense, what would you see most of this game? And, and, and did they throw a new wrinkle in there or two to start? Uh, nah, I mean, they set in their coverage. I mean, you know, they got a good front. Um, and they, they, they got on us early. So once you do that and you fall down like that, you, you know, you're kind of predictable from that point. How often did you see Jalen Ramsey tonight? Um, at first, he, he wasn't following me, and then towards the, towards the end of it, he was he was on me. I'm guessing 17 targets, 14 grabs for 140 had something to do with that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just trying to, you know, whatever I could do to help the offense. Memory serves midweek, you told the media, and I was standing right there, that you felt like you got into a zone, quote, end quote, with Kyler in the second half of the Raiders game, right? Does that, I mean, you, that's, you guys sort of pick up where you left off there a little bit? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I felt like, you know, that Raiders game, you know, that we, that we were feeling it, and it's kind of today felt the same way. I mean, we, were on the, we was on the same page, uh, just attacking the defense, taking what they're giving us. 14 grabs. Where's that rate for you in your NFL career? <laughs> Might be, that's number one right yeah. there. Yes, sir. What Was there anything in particular? Was there a strategy? Was there a particular route that, uh, you know, was successful, that was a go-to? I mean, they were just calling my number. Uh, so my, my job was to make the play, and that's what, that's what I was doing. Last question for Hollywood Brown. Uh, this offense is still searching for the explosive play, though, right? And, and man, you 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 had you had your man beat down the middle of the field at one point, didn't you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, something Kyler saw, he checked to it. Um, you know, that's something we want back, definitely. Interesting that six of the Cardinals' ten longest plays on Sunday involved 
a Kyler Murray pass to Hollywood Brown. So if nothing else, Paul, that is an encouraging sign moving forward that perhaps they have found that chemistry that we were expecting all the way back in week one. You know, Hollywood told the media midweek after the Raiders game going into the Rams game that he thought in the second half in Vegas that they had found a zone quote-unquote they've gotten back into the zone together their chemistry and being in sync and then you know so it's interesting to hear that it definitely looks like based on the production yes he probably has better chemistry right now with Marquise Hollywood Brown the newcomer than anybody on the roster uh, I think that's hard to debate right now I mean that's the case but once again it's that Rams game plan that I wonder is going to be the gift that keeps on giving that you're going to have to beat going forward because when Nick Scott, the safety, says after the game about the defensive line, those guys did a great job of rushing with intensity and violence, but also making it tough for Kyler to get out of the pocket. We knew if we could keep him in the pocket, dot, dot, dot. What did Nick Vigil say upon signing with the Arizona Cardinals in the offseason? Yeah, when we were with the Vikings, our game plan was real simple. One, keep Kyler in the pocket. Two, don't let D-Hop beat you. So teams are going to do anything and everything they can. You know, what you saw against the Raiders, I think, is an anomaly. That's just a failure of the Raiders in in a lot of ways. So, okay, uh, that's the challenge. Can you beat it? You know it's coming again. You will see it until you beat it. That's the way it works in in the NFL. And, um, you know, that's where I'm curious. And you know Carolina has the athleticism on defense. They do. They may be a little challenged offensively, even though Christian McCaffrey is back, et cetera. But, hey, we've seen what Matt Rule's defense has done against Kyler. They're 0-2 against Matt Rule. One more note on the offensive play that were run on Sunday is before we talk a little defense here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals lose 20-12, to and it is the one thing when you talk about the decision by the head coach that you can, and I was doing this in real time as well. I've gotten to the point now, Paul, when we're, regardless of down in, or the, the distance, wherever on the field, fourth down, Nine times out of ten, Cliff is going to go for it. That's just who yep. he has become. If you yep. don't like it, I'm sorry. That's just who he is, so you have to accept it. In fact, this little nugget, Cardinals have the most fourth down attempts of any team this season. They are 10 of 14, and those 14 attempts are the most by any team through the first three weeks of the regular season since 1991. Wow. So Cliff is wow. going to go for it, and I have no problem, even when it's – at your own 20-yard line. And listening to Passion Wolfley on the on the, on the broadcast, yeah, you certainly can debate, and it's an uneasy feeling. The one fourth down decision, though, that I did not like, Paul, fourth and four at the Rams' 26-yard line. You're down 20-9. to nine. You need two scores, meaning you need a field goal, a touchdown, and a two-point conversion. And in that instance, fourth and four, with 11.35 to go in the game, I – would have preferred to kick the field goal, put your defense back on the field 20-12, to 12, and then try to get a stop. So it would have been a 44-yard field goal attempt. Yeah. You're right. And and I asked Cliff about it after the game, and I said how – the question was like, okay, how do I phrase this question exactly um, that it's a valid question and two won't get me punched? <laughs> so I said, you know, how close were you to attempting the field goal in that situation? And he didn't specifically answer it. He just said definitively that I didn't believe it was a field goal game, that it was a game of touchdowns. And I think by that what he meant was, sure, the score is 20-9 to at the moment, but was it, well, was it realistic to think you're going to keep the Rams off the scoreboard the rest of the game? 
And that's what I took by that. And sure enough, you know, how close were the Rams again in the end zone again, if not for Buda Maker, Baker making a heck of a play on Cam Akers, forcing the fumble that Jalen Thompson recovered right at the goal line. Cooper Cup easily could have had another touchdown. That touchdown pass, even in double coverage, was right on the money and went through his hands. That's probably the only time you'll see that all season from a Cooper Cup. So, okay, uh, point well taken by Cliff. But you're right. It's certainly risky. Uh, you know, when you're deep in your own territory and it's early in the game and, and you're only down a score or maybe two and you're just going for it on fourth down, yeah, it, I consider it radical. You know, just based on the years of conditioning we've had, decades of conditioning of how you play and approach NFL football, this is a new way of thinking. And, and to be 10 of 14, you know, I, honestly, the question I wanted to ask him, and maybe I'll do it on the TV show, is what are you doing well on fourth down that you can take to third down? That's what I want to know because uh, on fourth down, they've been money. It's on third down that's been a real problem. Third down on Sunday, they were 6 of 18 with nine of those third and eight or more. And they didn't convert any of those third and long situations. So that goes back to being better on first and second down to put yourself in a manageable third down situation, something Vance Joseph discussed late last week when he – dissected what went wrong against the Chiefs versus what went right against the Raiders, allowing the Cardinals to get back in the ballgame. And you look at what Joseph's unit did against Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. The numbers are very pedestrian. Matthew Stafford, 249 passing yards. Cooper Cup, 44 receiving yards. Tyler Higby, 61 receiving yards. In fact, Cooper Cup, that ended a couple of streaks. 23 straight regular season games with at least five catches. 15 straight regular season games with at least 90 receiving yards. Wow. Those streaks out the window. Now the Cardinals could not stop the run in the second half. Cam Akers on that one drive, four straight rushing attempts, and then he capped it off with a 14-yard touchdown to make it 20-9. to But by and large, I liked the adjustments the defense made to allow the Cardinals on offense to stay relatively close and another opportunity, several opportunities to get back into the ball game and potentially take the lead. Yeah, at the end of the first quarter, the Rams had eight first downs. The Cardinals had zero. So that's called uh, winning the battle of the scripted plays, right? Uh, you come out, and, and that's one thing that teams do. McVay does it. Kingsbury does it. You script your first 10 to 15 plays, and for whatever reason, typically McVay is very successful against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, they're very successful against most teams. But when they come out there and they amass eight first downs in that first quarter, uh, and then anyway, saw it. Look, they there were times where the Cardinals were not alignment sound, and they came back, and there's Vance Joseph and all the assistant coaches on defense, and they're working furiously, and they have the tablets, and they're pointing things out, and they're grabbing the team leaders, and they're going, okay, and everyone's talking to each other, and they dialed it down. And then I think if I have this right in the second quarter, the Rams had zero first downs. So the question is, how do you do that from the get-go? And uh, you know, and that's still a work in, in progress. And look, when a Zayvon Collins uh, – and company on that Cooper Cup 20-yard touchdown jet sweep. They're going the wrong way. There's obviously McVay does a very good job of messing with the defense's eyes. And you know it going in doesn't mean you can stop it, even though you know it going in. And, uh, you know, angry, you know, you look at that linebacker core, and when you see a collection of Nick Vigil and Ben Neiman and Tanner Vallejo 
And Isaiah Simmons is primarily on the sideline, along with Zayvon Collins. That's not the way they drew it up. Nope. That's not the way it was envisioned going into this year. That's obviously more out of necessity than it is ideally how you'd want to have your two of your best athletes on defense. But if you can't trust them to be in the right place at the right time all the time, then guess what? It's still uh, it's still a process, and there's still a learning curve for those guys before Vance Joseph is going to play them the majority of the downs. I'm all about playing your first-round draft picks, but if they are hurting you, if they are giving up plays – as much as the front office might like to see that investment on the football field, Vance Joseph, who is determined on how well he coaches and whether there is another season based off of wins and losses, you can't put those players on the football field. And you can't do it with the locker room. That's how you lose the locker room. When guys are playing who haven't earned it, when guys are playing and there's still a liability, when there's a better guy behind him that gives you a better chance to win. That's how you lose the locker room. That's how you lose the season. So I get it. I, I get why the decisions are made. You know, Drew Stan, I thought, made a really good point in the pregame when it comes to Isaiah Simmons. You know, it can't be boom or bust. You have some unbelievable boom plays. But if there's so many plays where you're a bust and and, and teams target you and, and you're a liability and you allow the big play, then guess what? It, it just that's not the risk reward is too great for a Vance Joseph. He has to be able to count on having guys in the right spot. And otherwise, you know, that's enough. To, in a league where one, two, or three plays will get you beat can be the difference in a game. When Vance Joseph comes out a week one against Kansas City and said there were 14 or 15 plays we didn't have dialed in, that's, that's a month worth of plays that you don't have dialed in typically in an NFL season. That's not sustainable, and that's why you see a collection of – of Vallejo, Vigil, and Ben Neiman. I agree. You remember when the final 53 came out and we said, why is Ben Neiman on this team? Yeah. Now, he's a legit NFL player, but you thought you were loaded enough in the inside linebacker room. Why are they keeping six? We found out. I'm very curious now where this goes forward because Simmons did play more snaps one more snap, but a greater percentage of the defensive snaps. So maybe that's encouraging. But when Zayvon Collins leaves the game with a shoulder injury and all of a sudden it's happening again, last year he hurt that shoulder twice because he leans with the shoulder as opposed to grabbing a hold and shedding a block. Now all of a sudden, if Collins is unavailable, are you forced to play Isaiah Simmons? Now you're putting someone out there that yep. you don't all the way trust and regardless of the opponent, now if Cam Akers is going to run for 62 yards in the second half, Christian McCaffrey's up next. You know, to your first point about Zayvon Collins, because it's well taken. And uh, this just in, Paulie Pencilneck has never played linebacker beyond high school. Okay, and in fact, I was and a that's miserable, better than I. <laughs> miserable safety in high school. But I'll tell you this much, having just played high school football where I got lit up a lot more than I delivered the hit, there's an old axiom in football where if you're delivering the blow – Guess what? The other guy is going to take the brunt of it. doesn't matter how hellacious or violent the collision is if you're the one delivering the blow. Well, if you go back to the Green Bay game a year ago where he hurt that shoulder, he was unaware of where the contact was coming from, and he got hit and knocked down. And, and so, once again, the other player, the Packers player, delivered the blow. And now I sometimes have the worst angle from the sideline, and I only saw the TV replay of the Cam Akers 14-yard touchdown run. 
But that's the one where Ben Skoranek, right, yep. number 18, came in with vengeance and violence as the lead blocker, a 6'3", 220-something-pound receiver, and he delivered the blow to Zayman Collins, who I'm not sure really saw where the hit was coming from. And so, yes, when you're hit and you're surprised by the hit, instead of bracing for it and or delivering it, that a lot of times can result in injury, dot, dot, dot. That's just me speculating maybe recklessly, but I'm throwing that out there. Well, Collins gets hurt. Rashard Lawrence gets hurt. Not sure how serious the hand injury is, although Darren Urban noted on easycardinals.com that that hand was in a cast. I now, saw it, yep. So you can play with that hand wrapped, even though it might be in a cast, but you're talking about another defensive lineman, a front that initial wave of defense who had actually been playing pretty well. He had yes. flashed. Now all of a sudden you've got to go with Eleki Fotu hasn't really taken that next step. And maybe a Jonathan Ledbetter gets another opportunity, although he's been inactive the past couple of weeks. So injuries are taking the toll on the defense, but I'll go back to the number 12. 12 points allowed by the defense. Excuse me, 20 points allowed by the defense. The Rams scored 20. That's a very capable offense that can get 30, 35 points on a regular basis. 20 points should not beat you with an offense led by Kyler Murray. I totally agree. And you know what? The Rams are smart enough that when 90 went out of the game, Rashard Lawrence, what they do? They went to the ground game, and they really went to his side of the line. Yep. They ran off the left side, the A and B gap, and they got some chunk runs. Cam Akers was very effective on that drive. So, look, going into every game against Sean McVay, the players will tell you one thing. That, yes, he's going to try and mess with your eyes, but he's a king of the matchups. He's a king of, of, of getting things dialed in. So he's got a receiver on an inside linebacker in the slot. He's going to find your weak point. He's going to exploit it. That's why you see they can run 46 plays and and still feel like, feel like even though it didn't look like on the scoreboard, 20 points, okay, all right, this is sort of a, like you said, pedestrian effort, but it felt much more dominant than that. Even Buda Baker said after the game, you know, it was a close game most of the game. Didn't feel like it, nope. Buddha said, but it was on the scoreboard. So, uh, once again, it's, um, you know, the defense, like the offense, has started slow. The Kansas City Chiefs came out and had three touchdown drives in their first three possessions, and that's the first time in umpteen years that it happened in the NFL. There was some sort of historical fact about that. And then we saw the Raiders get out to a 20 to nothing lead and have a lot of success. So much success in the first half that maybe they fell asleep in the second half. I don't know. But uh, once again, it, it's not just the offense that's starting slow. It is the Cardinals' defense. Yeah, third straight game, the Cardinals' defense has allowed at least three straight scoring drives to begin a ball game. And wow. it goes back, you know, you, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's completely inaccurate based off of what we've seen because the Cardinals last year started well, didn't finish well. And this season, it's not good starts and, you know, trying to catch up finishing-wise. So they need to figure things out and figure it out before DeAndre Hopkins returns because if that is the answer, then if I'm D-Hop, I'm raising my hand, and as my own agent, I'm walking into the general manager's office and say, I am underpaid. Because, Neil, you've got six games this year and a handful of games last year in which when I am not on that football field, you've got nothing. 
And that 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 yep. That, yep. that can't be it can't right. be just one player's responsibility. You know, and there I was after the game and uh you know, Cam Cox over at Channel 12 and he's asking the pesky questions and all these things and to rate your level of concern and I'm like what what he always wants a grade or a rating or something like that. Grade the draft an hour after the draft is complete. You know, I mean, get off me with all these ratings. Here was my answer as I avoided the exact question. My answer was this. If you're talking about legitimate concerns in terms of the roster, now look, I I don't know what's going on with the slow starts, and who knows? Nobody seems to have an answer to that. But in terms of the roster, I feel good about the offensive line. Yep. Feel good about the receivers when D-Hop comes back, to your point, but hopefully, you know, for the Cardinals' sake, it's not too late. You feel good about the running backs, I think. Love to see a little bit more of Darrell Williams. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, okay, tight ends, I, you know, Max Williams had an unbelievably glowing comment about Trey McBride and the Big Red Rage, where he said that kid is going to be special. And he said it two or three times. As little as we've seen Trey McBride, and he's made zero impact on this season. I I mean, Max Williams was all in on Trey McBride. And we've seen this happen before, like a DRC, for example. If you want to go back, now here's old school. But DRC didn't even get any significant real reps until like Thanksgiving under Ken Wisenhunt. But then the rest of the way, he was unbelievable. And so I don't know if that's where this is going for Trey McBride. But, um, you know, anyway, I'm sidetracking myself. If I'm talking about legitimate concerns, J.J. Watt has gotten to the quarterback twice, but those are the Cardinals' only two sacks. You're getting reinforcements in the secondary, that cornerback position. Trayvon Mullen is coming. I thought Jace Whitaker was a liability. And I thought, I don't know how he graded out. I'm not sure what he gave up in coverage. But I do think that Stafford was smart in going after Jace Whitaker, who played, what, 80-plus percent of the snaps? It was 94%. He was on the field for 45 of the 48 snaps. But to your point, he was trailing a lot, and that was noticeable. Now, he gets elevated. This is his final elevation. If you want him now to play again, you have to sign him to the active roster. Interesting. He'll go back to the practice squad, but if Trayvon Mullen is ready – he did not play a single defensive snap on Sunday. Now, all of a sudden, maybe it's Murphy, Marco Wilson, and Trayvon Mullen. I mean, if you're going to pull up Jace Whitaker, and then maybe he's in your dime package, and he plays a handful of snaps, you know, to play 94% of the defensive snaps, that that is – that you can see how Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, they, they targeted him. It's a game of matchups once again. The Rams are able to do to the Cardinals secondary what the Cardinals are not able to do against those backup corners for the Rams. So, okay, if Trayvon Mullen's going to be the guy and evolve into that and come back from the toe or foot injury and then Antonio Hamilton eventually is coming back, I feel okay about the secondary. It's that edge rush. Yep. Edge rush is the number one. We all know in the NFL it's about the quarterback and getting to the quarterback. Can the Cardinals get to the quarterback from the edge? They haven't shown it yet. There's been some pressure. Marcus Golden got close on the J.J. Watt sack, for example. But that then combined with the inside linebacker position, those are my two concerns right now. Otherwise, I truly do believe here after week three that, yes, it's within the Cardinals' power to correct this. It is realistic to think they can make the correct corrections and adjustments and maybe go on a run here once again with 14 games to go it's all in front of you um so if you're asking me cam about (laughs) legitimate you know about your level of concern i put it more in specific areas than an overall concern if that makes sense big picture for me it's the offense ahead of the defense but yeah and it comes down to just a simple word 
execution. The players on the field, not the coaches standing on the sideline. Mm -hmm. That's just my takeaway here through the first three weeks of the regular season. We'll see what happens this week and then obviously see what happens on Sunday when the Cardinals go to Carolina, but more on that matchup as the week unfolds. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahadro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.